Yes, the script is there. The pathway is there. The road is there. But I let serendipity, I let the moment, I let the people dictate. I let the ambience of the room dictate exactly how it comes out. What I'm going to say, that could be the same from event to event to event. But how I say it, absolutely, that will always be different. Welcome to the Midland Money Mindset. This is a podcast that's all about getting your mind right when it comes to all things money. In every episode, we go deep with engaging guests who provide tangible takeaways and a whole lot of joy along the way. I hope you enjoy these conversations as much as I enjoyed having them. Let's dive into today's show. I'm Larry Sprung, your host for the Midland Money Mindset and founder and wealth advisor of Midland Financial. Today's guest is Ramon Ray, entrepreneur. Ramon Ray is unapologetically positive and passionate about making the world a better place. He's the publisher of BWCDaily.com, which stands for Breakfast with Champions, and ZoneofGenius.com, and an entrepreneur who has started five companies and sold three of them. Ramon is also the founder of CelebrityCEO.com. He's a leading expert in helping coaches and consultants get more attention for their businesses and be more known to their future customers. Ramon is an in-demand expert on small business success and a sought-after motivational speaker and event host. He has had the privilege of interviewing all five Shark Tank Sharks and President Obama. He shared the stage with Simon Sinek, Seth Godin, Gary Vaynerchuk, and other notable business leaders. Ramon's latest book, Celebrity CEO, is all about how entrepreneurs can leverage the power of personal branding. Listen in for some great takeaways about building and exiting business and the positive impact businesses can have on those they serve, the communities they're in, and the world. Well, I have the pleasure today of being with Ramon Ray, entrepreneur, and this is somebody that I have been following, watching, wanting to have on this show for a very long time, and finally, I have the pleasure of having him here, so thanks for joining us today, Ramon. Hey, Larry, you're welcome, and thanks for having me here. It's always good when I can talk to fellow smart people about what you do, so thank you, and hello to the Midland Money Mindset community. Good to be here. Yeah, thanks, Ramon. So listen, I want to give our listeners, and I always like to do this because I find a bit of the entrepreneurial venture or the path to becoming an entrepreneur to getting to that point is so interesting. So we'll be talking a bunch about your entrepreneurial journey, but how did you get to that point? What led you to want to become an entrepreneur? Well, I was fired from the United Nations, so I wanted to make money to feed my family. That's what I wanted to do. And I think that's the case of many people. I think we think sometimes it's, ooh, I always wanted to have my own business. Some people do. In my case, even today, I don't know if I want to have my own business. I want to build generational wealth. I love freedom. And I guess the best route to that is entrepreneurship. But really, I was working full-time at the United Nations, doing just fine, doing some side projects. I had started a computer tech consulting company, small one, just me and some clients, dissolved it. Then I started an event business just for passion. Love it. 
and grew it, by the way, while working full time at the UN. Got that safety net, that safety net being paid every two weeks. But then when that was when I was fired from the UN and some things happened there, which I'm happy to talk about, but that was when I went to full time entrepreneurship. But only Larry in the past years. I'm looking at my bookshelf here, Profit First and Good to Great and Gino Wickman's book Traction. This verbiage of entrepreneurship before is just a guy bringing people together and to get money, you should have a bank account. So you do an LLC escort, all these <laughs> things, and you do it, you know? Yeah. So you weren't like an entrepreneur selling lollipops for 25 cents when you were five or 10 years old then, it sounds like. Not quite like that. <laughs> yes, East of that, some version, yes. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't know it was called entrepreneurship, that big word. It was just, I want money for my sneakers. Know what I mean? When you get older, I think you call it that, but I don't want people to think that I was a 18-year-old new, ooh, I want to be like GE. Right, no right. <laughs> yeah. I, I think the thing that you point out, which I talk about in my book, Financial Planning Made Personal, is so many people think that if they want to have a side hustle, that they got to get rid of the main gig. And I talk about in the book, no, start the side hustle while you have the main gig. This way you have the safety and security and you could build it in the right way and you don't have the proverbial gun behind you making you do things maybe you don't want to do because you don't have the time to afford to do it. One hundred percent. Yeah. So I've heard you say that you are unapologetically not boring. I would like to hear why you use this as a call line for yourself. I am not for everyone. I'm a nice guy, but I'm not for everyone. That's one. And I'm a firm believer, especially in the speaking world, that many, many events are boring as heck. Many events are so boring, dry. Many people think they're being engaging, but they're not. Hey, everybody. My voice is loud. Hey, my staff gave me a joke to read. (laughs) And get it, they're doing their best. But my point is for a high-level professional event, my job, why I'm hired by the best brands in the world, absolutely you'll never have a boring event. Even if the lights, camera, action, the stage crashes, that event will still go well. So especially on the event planning side, I pride myself in definitely not having any boring events. (laughs) Yeah. Well, listen, the stage crashing may not be that boring. That might be pretty exciting and interesting for a lot of people. It's like a train wreck sometimes, right? Get a YouTube reel from it, right, or something. (laughs) (laughs) That will go viral, I'm sure. So you're a published author and keynote speaker. Again, going back to being unapologetically not boring, you really have to do a solid job of developing and creating content that resonates. What's your process for that? How do you go about doing that? Because I would have to imagine that's kind of difficult in today's day and age. Yeah, many professional creators go about professionally creating content, thinking about it, crafting it, like maybe a producer would do. There's room for that. Hey, we're an accounting firm. Let's think how we're going to do this to make it go viral. You could do it. For me, I don't think much about it. I'm just myself. So it's ironic. My son asked me a few days ago, Dad, because I do an Instagram post and Facebook post about every single morning. Dad, when you wake up, how do you plan what you're going to (laughs) say? I don't. 4.30 (laughs) in the morning, I have my prayers and devotions from 4.30 to about 4.50. I come down to my living room and, hey, good morning. Have a beautiful, beautiful, great day. And that's it. And there's some version of that. Some version, it's be positive. Some version is, you know what? Today, I'm not feeling great, but I'm going to feel great. So that's just me. That's just me. And I think we all have a special, how Larry is, different than how I am. 
how I am different, how you are different than how our friends are. My wife is different than me. And I think we all have our special mojo with how we show up in the world. And thank you for having me here. For me, it's unapologetically positive, unapologetically not boring for events, definitely high energy. And it's not a, I only say that because other people say that, but it's not a fictional, like, it's like the person who said they come in the room, hey, I'm high energy. You'll (laughs) never hear Ramon say I'm high energy. I don't say that. Other people say that about me, but I think when you say I'm high on caffeine, it sounds kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, I agree. But I mean, you just talked about doing an Instagram or some kind of post in the morning, right? Where it's not really that planned out. I would imagine some of your more keynote speaking presentations, those have to be out laid out a little bit, at least more rawly or some kind of structure to them than those posts. How do you go about doing that and just making it super exciting? Because I agree with you. I go to conferences, I see speakers, and the content is okay, but sometimes the delivery is not that great. So it'd be awesome if they could pair those two things together, which it seems like you're excellent at. And is there any kind of formula you use to do that? Regarding the slides, you're right. I have slides. I'm going to go speaking in Dallas shortly. I'll be in Aruba. I'll be in Austin traveling around. That's what I do. So yes, I have a presentation, human connections in a digital world, one of my main keynotes, or my keynote about be the celebrity CEO of your industry, or stop selling, serve first. I have some keynotes that I do, sure. But I think where the serendipity comes, where the moment comes is I love people. So if Larry's in the audience, yo, Mr. Blue Man. Talking about your shirt. Mr. Blue Man, stand up. Tell me what your name is. I just made a connection. That just comes in the moment. I'm just rolling for 45 minutes. Or if I'm hosting, it could be a two or three day event that I'm hosting. So yes, the script is there. The pathway is there. The road is there. But I let serendipity, I let the moment, I let the people dictate. I let the ambience of the room dictate exactly how it comes out. What I'm going to say that could be the same from event to event to event. But how I say it, absolutely, that will always be different. Amazing. I love that. So I want to go back for a second to what you talked about kind of in the situation as far as becoming an entrepreneur really was born out of the situation where you had to leave or were let go from the United Nations. If I got that wrong, I apologize. That was the impetus. So can you give us a little bit of background there and then how you decided to go down the path you went from an entrepreneurial standpoint. I want others to understand that, again, what I talk about in the book, that, hey, you can have this side gig, you start creating it. And number one is, I think, and it sounds like you've done that, this, is that side gig has to be something you're super passionate about because you don't want to end up in a situation where you leave one job to get another job. It's got to be something that you're super passionate about that you could build, grow, and exercise with over time. So maybe you could share how that went for you, and hopefully our listeners will glean some great nuggets, and maybe they could apply it to their own situation. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. So for those who are looking at, hey, when do I leave my full-time job for my currently side gig, or I have a passion to do something, should I just start a side gig? All versions of that, and Larry is a smart guy. So read his book, get the material, and you're already here listening, so you're already on the right track. So I think a few things. I think one, yes, I had a full-time job at the United Nations. I was interested in doing other things. I didn't label it entrepreneurship and all that then, you know, so that was today, I guess we can do that, but I didn't, there was no shark tank. I just, I had a skill and my first business where I got paid to do something was called family computer consulting services. 
I had a side little computer consulting business, installing modems and memory chips and getting people computer upgrades, fixing their software. So that just started out of a desire I had, a passion, but also to make money. Now, going further, the passion alone is not enough. You want to build a sustainable business that generates money, not just to pay you, but it should do five times 10x because hopefully you can hire others. Hopefully you can give to others and make the world a better place and build generational wealth. So it's way more than just paying a check. But that side income, that side gig I had, Larry, was, yes, the passion I had. And then I had the technical competence. I knew how to fix computer and I monetized it. And yes, for those who are loving their day jobs, keep your job. Do your side gig as a side gig to generate some money just to give you more emotional fulfillment. Those who do want to leave it, you don't like your job, hate your job, or you want to transition. Here's the thing I would say in my case, Larry, when I was fired, so I had permission to have a job at the UN. I had permission. And it's a quasi, it's not quite government, but quasi government institution, civil service-ish nonprofit. There's clear rules against having a side business, but I had permission to have it. That permission all of a sudden was taken away because there was a jealous person at the UN who was jealous of me and he made my life very, very difficult. But I already had a taste of entrepreneurship. Taste of that. It wasn't about the money, just I love doing something different. It was my emotional outlet. So I did that and the permission was revoked, but I already had the taste. So I kept doing it and my contract wasn't renewed, or as I say, I was fired. So that's my story. But for those listening, if you have a side gig, don't get fired. Can you? There's recurring revenue. If you have your Etsy store, if you're a consultant, if you're a speaker, can you do it? So you know, you know what? As Jim Collins says, I'll pull out another book, read Larry's first, but another book, Turning the Flywheel, Jim Collins. Do it. Flywheel may be a wonky word, but build your flywheel so that your business is generating. You get it? So that when you leave, A, you have a cushion. Six months or so, Larry, as you know, we have the best intentions. Life is cruel. So have a nice cushion, have a backup plan. Do you have a spouse that's making some income or not? I'm a one income family. So those are some things that helps. I hope that came out smooth and not confusing. Yeah, that's great. And thank you for sharing with our listeners, because I think that's important. And people love hearing the journeys. You talk about a lot of successful people, successful books. You mentioned Gina Wickman, Jim Collins, and you've interacted, you've had the ability to interact with many successful entrepreneurs and business leaders. What's one piece of advice that has stood out to you, stood the test of time, and how have you used it to apply it to your own work and your own situation? I'll probably have to give a few pieces of advice, but you can wait That's for me okay. and stop and go, Ramon, you're too much. Stop. But I think one, I love what Marie Forleo, I can pull out book after book after book, but Marie Forleo's book, Everything is Figure Outable. I love to showcase my bookshelf. That's a great book to remind us all, figure it out. There's a playbook written for you on one hand, but also you have to figure out what works for you. So that's one. Everything is figure outable. Everything you need is now chat, GPT, or Googleable. That's one. Number two, John Acoff, his book, Soundtrack, talks about our limiting beliefs as a child, things that we have gone through, maybe abuse, other things, the soundtracks that play in our head that keep us stuck. We have to play a different soundtrack. So mindset is tip number two. Mindset's important. Books like yours, Larry, what's the name of your book again? Repeat that for us. Financial Planning Made Personal. What did you do today that brought you joy? Yeah. Financial planning made personal. The whole personal stack is important. Get your money right. And money is, as you right have in your shirt, is closely tied to mindset. That's three. I would give my advice. And lastly, I think is that don't be afraid to take big risks that are relevant to who you are today. I may be able to risk $5. 
you may be able to risk $100, somebody else $5,000. So I wouldn't have been where I am today if I didn't, for example, buying the domain, smarthustle.com. I bought it on my credit card and I sold the business. My first event, Small Business Summit. Again, I went to the hotel, put my credit card down, bet on myself, and the event happened to be a success. So I think taking risk is a large part of entrepreneurship. That's great. And like you said, you get to reap the rewards. It's not that you're taking risks for somebody else. You're taking risks for yourself, which is fantastic, right? And that's what it's all about. So my wife heard you at Jolt earlier this year speak. And even more powerful than your time on stage, she was really impressed with the fact that you stayed around and listened to the other speakers taking everything that the conference had to offer in. What compels you? I don't know if this is like a standard for you where if you speak at a conference, you typically stay. But if so, what compelled you to stay? I know many times people go to conferences, see speakers, they come in, they speak, and they leave. So she found it very interesting that you were around for the remainder of the conference. So maybe you could share that with us. Yeah, so Jolt, Jolt Conference produced by Snappy Kraken. They hired me to be there and speak, to serve their audience. I believe if I can, it's my obligation to serve them back. They've invested in me. I invest in them. Just by my presence, by me showing up, by being a part of it, means that I care, means that I'm invested in. So that's one. It's the least I can do for the client, for the people who've hired me. I shout out to Cece, Mm -hmm. who is the speaker manager and others who got me there. That's one. Number two, my fellow speakers, right? Andrew Davis and others were on stage. I want to hear him speak. I want to see what he's doing, what I can learn from him and cheer him on, amplify him. So that's number two is that I want to amplify my fellow speakers. I think those are two reasons why I stole. And three, I want to learn. I want to learn. So yeah, all the time I can't stay. Sometimes other priorities that may take my time away. But in general, I definitely, Larry, I want to learn. I want to support fellow speakers. And I want to, in a way, give back or say thank you to the people who hired me to be there for sure. Yeah, great stuff. I appreciate that. And I know she found it very interesting because we attend a number of conferences throughout Mm -hmm. the year. And many times you see the speakers up there for their 30, 45, 60 minutes, and then you don't really see them again throughout the conference. So kudos to you for recognizing that and kind of paying it forward, so to speak. So absolutely, I'm sure Snappy Kraken really appreciates it. Sure. Indeed. Listen, as a black entrepreneur, right? You are black and you are an entrepreneur. What challenges have you found in your career and how have you overcome them? Because I think that's important. For sure. No, I think, listen, whether black entrepreneur, Jewish entrepreneur, white entrepreneur, Spanish entrepreneur, Japanese entrepreneur, there's going to be challenges. You're not going to have money, the marketplace, people are not going to treat you fairly. And I think what you have to do to get over it is always forgive, wear somebody else's shoes, have the perspective of the other person. And be happy with yourself. And again, being, as I have in my subject line, unapologetically positive. If you suck your thumb because my car got hit, my cat got run over, my house got burned down, somebody didn't like me because they were upset because their mother's sick, they don't even care about me, they're just going through a hard time. So if you live life always just down to the dumps, you can't succeed. So that's how I've been able to succeed is always moving forward. No, it really doesn't matter. You just have that positive attitude and kind of look in that direction as a result. For me, for sure. Meaning we are all going to have to overcome something. Somebody doesn't like you. Maybe they didn't like you because you're black. Maybe they didn't like you because your breath stank. 
Either way, they're going to have it. So does that mean that history and bad things have not happened? Absolutely not. It doesn't. Those things cannot be ignored. But for me in my journey, I don't take myself too seriously. But as somebody else says, I take what I do very seriously. So with that attitude, it's kind of hard to get me down because I just move on. Yeah. I listen, I'm in full alignment. I think about what you said at the beginning, right? Of unapologetically who I am. Some people will get me, some people won't. And I kind of feel the same way. We're not going to be a right fit for everyone and nor do we want to be a right fit for everyone because I think that means that we're probably not really great at what we do because we have to be really good for a small select group of people is what we try to do. So I take a similar approach to that and I think it's a great way, especially as an entrepreneur, because there are challenges, there are bumps in the road, as we've discussed. And if you're maintaining that positive attitude and that kind of mental stamina, I think it's hugely beneficial to you being more successful over the long run. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So clearly, you have such a passion for empowering small business owners. What do you believe are the most significant challenges facing small business owners today? And is there an easier formula or strategy for them to work to overcome those challenges? Sure. Great question. I think there's always going to be two competing forces for any business and especially, sure, a small business owner and even more specific speakers, authors, coaches, consultants, which we serve at zoneofgenius.com. There's external forces which we have no control over. Nobody asked for COVID. We didn't know COVID was coming. Boom, it just came. 9-11, market crashing, Somebody running into your front of your house, you can't do nothing about that stuff. All you can deal with is how you react to it. Then there's the internal things. Did I grow up impoverished or poor and I hold on to money, don't make investments? Did I grow up with a father this way, a mother this way, or bullied, which affects my mindset, which affects my business? So the internal struggles we all go into. So I think for business owners, I believe that's the crux right there. And if I think of just core business, who am I serving? Who's my customer? I don't say this is a cliche. I think it's really important. Who needs what I'm selling? Number two, what am I selling them? How can I, my friend Shay Brown says, shout out to Shay Brown, selling mm-hmm. is service. Three, where are they at? How can I be around them over and over and over again and make them aware of what I'm doing? Number four, I think of the aspect we talk about a celebrity CEO, people want sales. I'm a firm believer in first building trust and you can't earn trust unless you get attention. So those are just a few things I think for business owners, whether you're selling podcast microphones or you're selling trash bags or you're a coach selling mindset, who's the person who needs you? What is the solution you're giving to them? And it's not going to be easy. It is not going to be easy. But out of every 100 knows, 500 knows, hopefully you're getting a few yeses. And then here's the trick. You're learning to hone in on where can you get more yeses than noes and you have a viable business. That's amazing. And I think to your point, what you said, selling whatever, right? The microphones, the trash bags, et cetera. I'm always amazed when I meet other entrepreneurs or business owners as to how they make a living or what they're doing to drive revenue. Because it always amazes me whenever you think that something is weird or couldn't be done, there's somebody doing it. It's truly amazing when you think about it and you look at the vast array of businesses out there. Wouldn't you agree? Yes, for sure. No, listen, there's a market for everything, a market for everything. And the other thing I'll add to that, Larry, and you know this, this is your expertise and more, is pricing. Pricing jams up a lot of business owners. Don't sell cheap. You can't beat Walmart and 
Target and Amazon, these big brands. Let's say you can't, you could play in that game, but for especially for the professional services, I'd rather sell at a premium. Think of the hard work it takes to get somebody paying you $50 an hour for helping them get rid of depression. Hard work, probably a similar amount of energy that it takes for you to charge them $400 an hour. I just got $800 and you just got $100. Yeah. For two hours of work. I think that's probably a big challenge that you will probably see with a lot of business owners where they underprice their skill set a lot of times, right? Many times. And that causes them to fill their funnel with not ideal clients and that causes them not to be able to grow. It's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy to some degree. That's right. You're limiting yourself. You're not sure if you're worthy. And I get it. We all go through the self what of imposter syndrome, some fancy academic word that I hate, but it's the true <laughs> thing. We all say it. So all these things. But again, I think that's where being with people like Larry, being with a network of people, being able to be encouraged by people, it can help you for sure. Agreed. So you've been recognized as a top influencer in the marketing industry. What do you think sets successful marketing strategies apart and how can businesses implement them effectively? I think marketing is so key, right? It is indeed. Between finances, marketing, and then the operations and mindset, that's a winning business. But I think marketing, one, it is, as you said, Larry, and ironically, my biggest challenge is what is the strategy? What is the plan moving forward? So I think the strategy is one, what's the steps you're going to do, the process you're going to do to reach towards a stated goal? That's one. What's the strategy? I think two successful marketers, very clear, and the language they're using, the best part of waking up is folders in your cup. You don't have to be lonely on farmersonly.com. 1-800-M-A-T-T-R-E-S. Leave off the last says That's the S for savings. Take your pick. These are all big brands, of course, but meaning what's your vibe? What's your mission? What, what is the message you're giving out? So I think that a successful marketer hones in who is my ideal customer? What does she look like? What are her pain points? How does she smell? How does she look? How does she turn her head? How does she not turn her head? What does she drive? The better you know that, now you can start to speak her language. When I think about Charles Kirwick, I think I threw the magazine away. Yeah, men's clothing store. Listen, this silly example, but it's right here, right appropriate. Charles, Kier- no, this is Johnson and Murphy. Johnson and Murphy. <laughs> I get my dress shirt from Charles Kierwood in England. As I look through here, I'm not selling anything, but it's just ironic. They speak to whatever kind of man I am. I dig Johnson and Murphy and I dig Charles Kierwood. You may be a Nordstrom guy. Who knows? Or L.L. Bean. I don't know. My point is, so successful marketers speak over and over to their customer. They follow up and then they go back to number one. They speak the same language over and over and over and over and over to your customer. Because why? Huh? We're distracted. <laughs> That's the name of the game. So how does a smaller business, right? Somebody starting out, they don't have the wherewithal, the team necessarily to perhaps do the marketing efforts and do that deep dive that we're talking about that some of these bigger institutions that you mentioned could. So if I'm a smaller, newer business, relatively rookie entrepreneur, let's say, how do I hone into that story for my clients and ideal customer without having the budget and just taking up all my time to put that together, so to speak? Great question. What are you selling? Let's make it hard. What's the business about? What are you selling? We'll play with it right now. I'm asking you, Larry, give me a fictional business. What am I selling? What's the name of the business? Let's take podcast microphones, for example. You brought that up earlier. So let's use that as an example. I'm a podcast microphone. Here's what I would do. (laughs) I'm starting from zero. One, make sure you have some runway. Don't Today, you have zero money in the bank. Nowhere. You're going to starve. Don't start there. Your full-time job, 
As Larry said, staying with your mom or your daddy, have some runway where you can eat and pay your rent. That's one. Give you some cushion. Number two, hopefully you have a little bit of savings. Maybe you have a little bit of money, but even if you don't, here's what I would do. I'm selling podcast microphones. One, I would work my way and go to all the podcast events. That's number one. I would try to find the biggest podcasting event, and this goes for any industry. You can use it for yourself. Find out where it is. Then here's what I would do. They all have Q&A times. I would take my mic. Hey, everybody. My name is Joe. Thanks for the Q&A. By the way, some of you are wondering how to have your voice sound good. This is the best podcast mic in the world. By the way, you can get it at the thebestpodcastmicintheworld.com. Let me ask my question. Blah, 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 blah. See what I did? Doing that over and over and over again, you can't help but go viral. As it were, if you get my point, meaning that's guerrilla marketing. So if I had no money, I was starting out today. Find where my ideal customers are at. If I had something I could hold in my hand, how can I show them? Get that screen back in focus. How could I show them what I had? Do a good CTA call to action. Get people to sign up. Probably since I just started out, Larry, I can't give you a free one, right? Don't have money for that. But I say, Larry or Mr. Larry, could you try my mic? I'd get Larry holding my mic and saying, oh, Ramon. Oh, oh, it sounds great. I'd be capturing that on my phone. Send that to see what I mean. So that's what I would work and do it like a machine relentlessly. And then lo and behold, I had zero email signs up. That's another tip. Email newsletter. I'd have 50. I'd have 75. I got some social going. And then Mark Cuban is eating a Starbucks. I saw on LinkedIn that he was coming to New York. I run down the block. Mr. Cuban, Mr. Cuban, listen, how does this podcast microphone sound? Ooh, Ramon, it sounds, so I'm playing with you here, but you get my point, Larry, for new person, I would just gorilla customer, go where they are, get the social proof. And Damon John did it with FUBU X years ago. As Mm -hmm. it were, one jacket, he just put it on the back of rappers. I can't let you keep it, but (laughs) you can dance with it and take it back. So listen, I think those are very tangible takeaways for people. I think it's easy. So if you have a business and you're not getting the sales, but you also haven't put the marketing effort in, I think you have to try the marketing effort. If you do what Ramon says, and the sales don't come, then I think you have to maybe rethink the business, right? Which is a possibility, or you may need to just tweak something. But I think you have to take that stance of going out there, getting the marketing. And then as you start selling those podcast microphones, you could hone in on who's buying them, why they're buying them, and build up that kind of client avatar. Would you agree? Yeah, I agree. And then don't forget to call Larry and myself and get one. <laughs> <Larry. laughs> too big of a percentage, but a small percentage for the advice we gave today, I think would be appropriate. Well, Ramon, listen, one of the things that I've tied my marketing to, and it's part of my book and part of this show is a lot of people, when they think about financial planning, when they think about mindset, they don't think, well, more financial planning than mindset. They don't think a lot about joy. So mm-hmm. we've tied our question, which I'm going to ask you now, because it's our last question that we ask all of our guests. It's uh, it? Which we're is, over? We're done? Almost, yeah. Oh, which nice. is, yeah. we got to know, what did you do today that brought you joy and put you in the right mindset for success? Wow. Well, for me, I'm kind of cheating because I do it every day. I think my personal time of devotions bring me joy. Two, I usually hit up a few people and say hi, tell them I love them, my son, my daughter, my wife. I have a few guys I mentor, so I'm always checking with them. How you doing? George Estrada, shout out to him. He may not even see this, but I <laughs> do that to people. And then I had a segment on Clubhouse called Keep Going, Don't Stop. Don't stop, don't stop, don't stop, don't stop. Keep going. That's what I did to bring me joy today. That's amazing. So you're not like the Kevin O'Leary, take it behind the barn and shoot it. You keep going. I'm just, I'm just joking. Keep going. 
keep going. <laughs> well, listen, it's been a pleasure having you on. I love the energy. Like I said, this is something I've wanted to do for a long time, so I appreciate it. This is definitely what I did today that brought me joy. So thank you for sharing this 30 minutes or so with us. We're going to have all of your information in the show notes, but if people want to learn more about Ramon Ray, what you're doing, learn more about connecting with you, what's the easiest and the best way for them to do that? Easiest way, sign up at zoneofgenius.com, zoneofgenius.com to check out our publication. And if you want to have me on your stage at your next big or small event, check out ramonray.com. Great. Thanks, Ramon. It's been a pleasure and enjoy the day. Thank you. I want to thank Ramon Ray for being a guest on the Mintland Money Mindset. Ramon is one of the most positive and passionate people I have ever met. He is truly driven by making the world a better place. His experiences in business and marketing can help all entrepreneurs. Those who do not know Ramon should take a look and pay attention. And those who know him already know the impact he has had. Ramon Ray and all that he's up to can be found across most social media platforms and all the contact information needed to find them can be found in the show notes. Thank you for joining us this week on the Midland Money Mindset. Make sure you visit our website at midlandmoneymindset.com and smash the subscribe button so you don't miss a show. We encourage you to help others find our valuable content and please don't keep us a secret. You can also schedule an Is There a Fit call right from our website or by using the link that you'll find in the description section of your podcast player or app. And be sure to join us for our next episode to learn more about getting your mind right when it comes to all things money. The opinions voiced in the Midland Money Mindset Show with Lawrence Sprung are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. No strategy ensures success or protects against loss. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial or tax advisor prior to investing. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor. Guests on the Midland Money Mindset Show are not affiliated with CWM LLC.